BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, Sox fans, welcome to another edition of the White Sox Talk podcast brought to you by Wintrust Community Bank, home of White Sox, checking with free ATMs nationwide. Find out more by going to wintrust.com slash Sox. That is wintrust.com slash Sox. Chuck Arfine here at Guaranteed Rate Field. I'm in the booth with Jason Benetti. I'm amongst one of the greats. Look Where? at this. Who who are the greats that you're talking about? But it's great to have you here in the booth. Yeah, thanks we never for get to me. we never get to talk in the booth. We don't. We always just are ships in the night because you and Bill are, are waiting in the wings to do the the Subaru post game live. Thanks for dropping it in the sponsor too. Subaru is going to love that. I am a trained seal. <laughs> you are. Uh, so we're here in the booth. Uh, Jason has been kind enough to join the podcast on a day that he had to squeeze in. Not only playing Mario Kart with Eloy Jimenez, but you actually have an actual game to broadcast, and you're finding time to talk to me. I appreciate that. Chuck, I owe you so much for losing your bumper sticker. <laughs> oh, that I whoa, we're finally getting this like, well, on, I, on I the record. Up to it. I uh, it's tough. It's tough to think about because I love that bumper sticker that like I gave a to you. Yeah, for the prize shelf. Yes. And it made an appearance on the prize shelf, and then it was eaten by the booth unicorn, I think. Here's what I want to make sure never happens. Uh-huh. I never want to see you drive in a car, and I see my WHFH bumper sticker on the back <laughs> of it. Because that would ruin me. What? Uh, I mean, are you a Lost fan? You ever watch no, Lost? No, Okay, so the character Sawyer uh, was like a con man. That, and there was an episode called The Long Con. Yeah. What a long con it would be for me to just steal the bumper sticker a year ago so like three years down the road I can drive past your home with the bumper sticker on the car. Uh, very elaborate scheme, but I like the way you think. All right, so for those of you who did not go to Home at Flossmoor High School, which is 99% of people listening, WHFH is the high school radio station that Jason and I worked for and went to because we went to the same high school. So let's catch everyone up to date on that. Today on the podcast... We're not just going to talk about our high school. which We're not? No. i got to go then. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about Lucas Chialito. I had a chance to sit down with Lucas uh, earlier today at the ballpark. You know, there are some players, a lot of players, White Sox prospects specifically, who m- take steps in their development. Safe to say, Lucas Chialito hasn't just made a step recently. He's made a leap. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, I haven't talked to some friends in the Nationals organization who are media types, and, and they had seen Giolito pitch. And I had mentioned they hadn't noticed that, that Giolito was up with the Sox. And I mentioned that, you know, 14 innings, one run, last two starts, as we're talking right here today. Uh, and they said, wow. I mean, they had seen him in the minors, but the curveball wasn't even what we've seen the last couple of days recently. So he's he's turned a corner even in front of our eyes at this point. And he talks about his velocity. In high school, he admits he tried to throw as hard as he could. He was throwing 100, throwing 100, and one day he threw 100, and a week later, Tommy John blew his arm out. And he was a thrower for a long time. I think now he's a pitcher. Is that what you see? That's my feeling, and he's got the mind for it. 
I mean, that's the cool thing is is you've got a thrower who's a terribly cerebral young man. Yes. And then if he then becomes a pitcher rather than a thrower, and he's not just stuff, he has the mind to catch up with the strategy and the sequencing and all of that. And he's also a genial guy who's fun to be around and, and has a lot of different hobbies. So I, this is a guy that if he pitches like we've seen recently, can easily be one of those standout players of a class of prospects loaded with possible standouts. Yeah, here's what he said. He goes, I don't have to be Noah Syndergaard or DeGrom or Scherzer. I can be the guy who just goes out there and pitches. And so he's already thinking about he can be a guy who can throw 92, 93. He'd like to get it up to 94. Do you, uh, you have kind of a quizzical look on your face. No, no, no. I, I, I was just thinking about that's a, that's a guy who's in his really his rookie season, and he's going to be next year, and he's thinking 10 years down the road. <laughs> yes. I mean, that, that's what that quote says to me yeah, yeah, right there. Yeah. Is it's somebody that's thinking about 2027 for his own livelihood. And that's remarkable. Yeah. And I was, as I was preparing for this interview, do you know anything about Max Fried? Max Fried. So Max Fried. His friend. Yes. From the Nationals organization. Yeah. No, not from the Nationals. From high school. Oh, from high school. It's, it's, yeah. So I knew nothing about Max Fried until 9 a.m. this morning. Okay. Uh, so Max Fried was, when well, they went to the same high school together, they have lived such crazy parallel lives. It's almost frightening. And we talk about this to the point where Lucas Giolito won here on Sunday. And across town at Wrigley Field, Max Fried beat the Cubs. He's with the Braves now. That's wild. It, and there's the stuff that happens in between. I didn't know about this until 9 o'clock this morning. I'm thinking this, someone should like write a mystery novel about these two guys. I believe Max Fried is the guy. Hmm. I might be conflating stories, so I don't want to say it. Okay. But he, was, he was with a buddy of his watching. He was like Netflix and chilling when he got traded. And I don't remember if it was Max no, or that was No, that else. was Lucas. Right, Lucas, but I'm <laughs> oh, saying... Oh, they were watching maybe together. They might have been together, but I, I have to go back to my notes on that. So I, I know in spring training he mentioned Max to me. I don't remember if that was in the context, but I do know Lucas, the Hollywood kid, uh, was Netflix and chilling when he got traded, which is pretty awesome. Okay, so you're going to hear that interview, but I've got to clean something up. This uh -huh. is uh, something that happened on the podcast you didn't last week. do something in my booth, did you? No, I, you no, no, up. no, no. But David Kaplan, I have to clean up a mess made by David Kaplan on our podcast last week. So last week on the podcast, Kaplan came on to talk about the Jose Quintana trade. On the podcast, he said that the Cubs offered Kyle Schwarber for Jose Quintana. I don't know if it was just straight up one for one, but he said that the Cubs made an offer that included Kyle Schwarber for Quintana, and the Sox said no. Well... According to a high-ranking White Sox source that I spoke with. Not wet butt. Not wet butt 23. No. Much higher. <laughs> Leaps and bounds above wet butt 23. Theo Epstein never offered Schwarber. Rick Hahn and Theo never brought up Schwarber's name in negotiations. So I'm not sure who Cap's source is. I'm not going to even go there. But this is from a, high, a very high-ranking White Sox source who had a pretty good idea what was talked about in those conversations. So I'm just putting that out there. That's good to know. And again, uh, during that series in Minneapolis, we, Steve and I were joking around about why Cap was on the White Sox Talk podcast. <laughs> and look, we were right. You were, well, 
he's welcome anytime he wants to come on the podcast. But when he says something like that, we need to at least check to see if it's accurate. I love Cap. I love Cap. I love Cap. That's a dart that, that didn't land, I guess. <laughs> okay. All right. So a uh, lot coming up. We're going to talk. Me and Benetti, you can stick around. I know you have a game to broadcast. No, we've, I'm good. We've kicked Steve Stone out of the booth. He cannot come in here until we finish our podcast. You already did that? Uh, yes, I have. The door is locked. He can't even get in. Oh, geez. So that's the, that's, that's the situation. So me and Benetti will be back in a moment. But up next, my interview with Lucas Giolito here from Guaranteed Rate Field. This is the White Sox Talk podcast. Here we go. Well, first off, Lucas, how does it feel just to be here? You're here in the big leagues for a second time. Uh, it feels really good. Um, you know, it's a relief to be up here and, uh, you know, be staying here, be able to pitch every fifth day, get a chance to go out and compete, um, and just know that, you know, I can be comfortable, I can be myself, and just, uh, you know, go out and give it my all. Seeing you on the mound, you just seem more comfortable. You just seem more at ease, like you belong here. Is that how you feel right now? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, 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 I feel like I got that confidence back that I've been missing probably the past year or so. Um, no, I just feel like my stuff plays really well. Um, I'm commanding the ball pretty well right now. And... Um, yeah, I mean, things are working out so far, but there's still a lot of work to be done for sure. Yeah, you haven't won the Cy Young yet. Yeah, yeah, there's, uh, <laughs> you know, just a few good games is good, but there's still a lot more to build on. I mean, there's still a lot, a lot to learn from some of the mistakes I've been making so far. And, um, yeah, I'm just going to continue to try and learn and grow as a pitcher. You've got this uh, high fastball that you've been throwing. You do have a name for it. What do you call this thing? Uh, I guess we call it higher than high. Um, it's just... Using the fastball up in the zone, um, you know, I'm a tall guy, so I, I generate angle down a lot. But when I can throw it up, it can kind of give that illusion that the ball might be coming down. I, I don't know too much. I'm not a hitter, but uh, it, it works out. I mean, I'm able to generate some good swings and misses up in the zone with the fastball, um, some good weak, uh, weak contact pop-ups, things like that. So, you know, I kind of use the high fastball as well as trying to command maybe low and away and then, you know, play off of both of them and then it makes the off speed that much better. I want to go back to the Tigers start and what struck me besides you winning, when I see you facing the Tigers lineup, I want to know how you do against Miguel Cabrera. So Miguel Cabrera, obviously having a rough year, but that had to be a name when you looked at that lineup, when you were preparing for the start where you said, I'm going to face Miguel Cabrera. Yeah, that was, um, that was a cool moment for me. Uh, A few years ago, I was asked in an interview, uh, which major league hitter would you want to face the most right now? And I said Miguel Cabrera in that interview. And then I, you know, to be able to get the chance to kind of live it out and, and do it for real, uh, you know, just last week was really awesome. Uh, he's he's a guy that I've I've been watch, watching play for a long time. You know, one of the best hitters of the generation. And um, yeah, it, it was it was a cool moment to see him step in the box and uh, be able to you know compete against him. How did that feel knowing? that you did this and does that give you even more confidence to say to yourself if I can get Miguel Cabrera out I think I can get other guys out here in this league 
Yeah, I mean, when you're when you're getting out guys that are the best of the best, then you know you have a pretty good shot to to do pretty well here. And uh, yeah, I just have that confidence now that you know I can go out there and you know whether I'm bringing my best stuff that day or you know maybe one pitch isn't working, I still have three other ones to to kind of fall back on. So that's why I'm happy I developed the slider this year. It's been a good weapon so far. But uh, yeah, I mean. Just, a lot more work to be done. I feel like I can command the fastball a little bit better, get the curveball over a little bit better. You know, there's still a lot to work on. Yeah, because I wanted to ask you that because, well, first off, just let's look at those first two starts. I'm, I, I saw your games in the minor leagues, and I'm saying, he's got more in there. He hasn't really shown it yet for whatever reason. After your first couple of starts, I mean, as you're going into your start against the Rays, were you thinking, I want to. Sh I know I've got more here. Mm -hmm. I just got to be able to execute those pitches. Yeah, yeah, executing pitches. Um, you know, I feel like I've been doing a good job of throwing strike one, getting ahead of guys for the most part in my experience here. Uh, what I was really looking for was that good two strike put away, and I was kind of able to, to do that much better against the Rays. Um, you know, throwing the slider down, curveball, actually using all my pitches. Um, Honestly, just trusting Smitty back there. He really knows what he's doing. He's, uh, he's got a uh, you know, really good scouting report, really good uh, feel for the game, what the hitters are doing. And, I'm, and we're, I'm just trying to work well with him as well as Narvi. I'll, I'll probably be able to throw to Narvi again soon. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, I mean, coming up to the big leagues, you have a catcher back there that's been there you know a lot longer than you have they've seen these hitters you you gotta go in there and kind of trust what they're doing and then just allow your stuff to come out at the same time when uh i want to go back to the tigers game because you won that game first major league win you go in the clubhouse did the your teammates give you a beer shower yeah yeah what was that like it was it was really cold <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was. It wasn't just beer. There was some. Uh, There's some milk, uh, Gatorade, uh, shaving cream. You know, just a nice hodgepodge of a lot of different stuff. And yeah, it was cold. It was one. Of, it was. It was one of the colder things I've done, um, as far as just being, you know, sitting there in a fetal position. And was this having, in the shower? Where does this happen? Yeah, it, it happens in the shower. Try to. You know, we're not trying to ruin the clubhouse or anything like that. But no, I mean, it's a really good feeling. Uh, I've been chasing that first win in the major leagues for, for a little bit now, and, and to, to get it out of the way and to be able to celebrate it with my teammates was really awesome. Who was the ringleader of this beer shower? Veteran guys, um, you know, James Shields, Derek Holland. Um, you know, the, the, having good veter veteran presence, I think, in a, in a clubhouse is really important. And uh, I'd say we have a really, really good veteran presence here that has been able to kind of uh, lead the way, and, and I'm able to learn a lot from them. Um, I got a quote from Steven Souza after you had the 10 strikeouts against the race. He said, we've been watching video of Giolito for the last week, and he hasn't commanded those two pitches, his changeup and his curveball. So you come out here and... For anybody to throw three pitches for strikes, it's going to be a tough battle. Can you see it on their faces? They're thinking, whoa, we, we weren't expecting this. Um, I mean, maybe to a certain extent. I, I, when, I'm, when I'm in the middle of competing, uh, I'm, I'm out there. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to execute you know, pitch after pitch. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, when I was able to get ahead of guys with, with multiple pitches, if I'm throwing the first pitch change up over and they're swinging, swinging through it, or you know, I, I'm able to drop that curveball in there um, early. 
um, it, it, it kind of opens up the game for, for me and the catcher to, to work. Uh, you know, we're able to, you know, start mixing up all sorts of different sequences. You know, we're not going back to the same thing, not throwing the same pitch in the same count every time. So, you know, having that feel for uh, getting three pitches over is great. Being able to get four pitches over for a strike, you know, now you're, now you're really uh, cooking. So... Um, yeah, it was uh, it was a good game, and there's a lot to build on. Yeah, you struck out the side in the seventh. Did you know that was going to be your last inning, and you were trying to empty the tank, or that just turned out to be the situation? You ended up just striking out the side. I had a feeling. I had a feeling that would be my last inning. My pitch count was getting up north of 100 pitches there towards the end. Um, and you know, I know the bullpen's been doing a good job. They can come in and shut the game down from there. Last two innings. Um, yeah, I was I was trying to I was trying to go out there and get some strikeouts. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll admit that I, I was just you know trying to get ahead and then bury some bury some good breaking balls um, with two strikes. We were able to do that. You used to throw mid to high 90s. You're at 92, 93. Mm-hmm. I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask the question: Why have you dropped your velocity? Um, I'd say it's a combination. Uh, <laughs> a major league, I mean, my, even a minor league season takes its toll. And I've been through a few. I've had a Tommy John surgery. Um, I'm kind of realizing that I don't have to be the guy that goes out. You know, I have to be Noah Syndergaard or DeGrom or, you know, Scherzer. I, I don't have to be the guy that goes out there and, you know, starts throwing cheese by guys. I can be the guy that goes out there and pitches um, you know, if I have all four of my pitches working, I can work off of that. I know that even though my fastball velocity isn't exactly where I'd want it to be, um, the life the life is there right now, and I'm commanding it way better than I have. So, you know, I I don't need to go out and just throw as hard as I can every pitch. You know, it's kind of what I did in high school, throwing to the radar gun. Um, but nowadays, it's about you're you're trying to get guys out. So, you know. If a guy's throwing 85 miles an hour and getting outs, he's going to stay in the league. Um, you know, I'm very comfortable pitching 92, 93. Um, you know, maybe this offseason I'll, uh, you know, look at my workout routine, my long toss program, see if there's anything more. Maybe maybe I can reach back and get a, you know, 96, 97 every once in a while. But as far as I'm concerned, I mean, I can pitch 92, 93, 94, whatever it is. And, uh, you know, my main concern is commanding. Am I, am I throwing that good one down the way? Am I, throwing, uh, am I throwing my fastball up in the zone effectively, up and out of the zone effectively? You know, that's what it's all about. It's funny you mentioned high school. I found this headline from when you were in high school, March 1st, 2012. Headline oh, no. is, superstar prospect Lucas Giolito hits 100 miles per hour on the radar gun for his first win of the season. Yeah. And do you know where I'm going with this? Uh, March 7th, six days later. Blew my arm out, yeah. Harvard-Westlake pitcher Lucas Giolito, sidelined by elbow injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, when I was 17, I, you know, I'll, I'll admit it, I was trying to throw it as hard as I could. And uh, I, was, I was getting out there, I was playing 300-foot long toss every day my arm just felt like a rubber band like it was you know stretched out and fine um you know that's that's the one thing whenever i talk to kids in high school or even kids like playing travel ball when they're 12 13 years old take care of your arm if you're a pitcher you got to take care of your arm you know i didn't know about 
the shoulder program. Um, I didn't know about, you know, all the, you know, little things. It's not just lift, getting in there and lifting weights and running. Um, there's all sorts of exercises you need to do to make sure your scapula is in the right place. Make sure you're taking care of your rotator cuff, your forearms, make sure you're protecting your elbow. I didn't know about that stuff when I was uh, 16, 17. And I just kept throwing harder and harder and harder. I was breaking off my curveball as hard as I could. I was throwing my curveball probably 85 miles an hour. That's what I throw my slider now. So, yeah, I just think that it took its toll and, you know, it didn't want to hold on. Um, but, you know, I don't really have any regrets about it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm where I am right now. And, you know, it's been a long road to get here. Uh, but I learned a lot about myself with the whole Tommy John rehab process. Uh, and, um, yeah, it's all worked out. I want to ask you about your high school teammate, Max Free. Mm -hmm. Do you realize how parallel your life, your life has paralleled his life. Mm -hmm. I, I went through this, went to the same high school, mm -hmm. drafted, same round, 2012, first round, he went seventh, you went 16th, both had Tommy John, you were both in a blockbuster trade, he was in the Justin Upton yep. trade from the Padres to the Braves, you obviously came here from Adam Eaton trade. the Adam Eaton trade, and Sunday, you both started here in Chicago. Mm -hmm. and won a game. Yeah. He beat the Cubs for his first Major League win. Yeah, very proud of him. It's awesome. <laughs> I know, but like, that's crazy. That you two guys were in high school, and all these things have happened together, not always at the same time, but what do you think about that, you and Max Fried like this? Yeah, we, we were hanging out the night before our starts, so that Saturday night. Um, got fam uh, he had a lot of family in town. It was his first start. Um, and I kind of just cruised over after, uh, after our game and um, met up with him and his family. We had some dinner at one of their family friends' house, um, and we were just kind of talking about that, you know, the, our roads and, uh, you know, now, now look where we are. You know, we're, we're starting games uh, in Chicago in two different stadiums in the major leagues, and we ended up winning both of those games. So it's, it's going to be a moment that, that we're going to remember forever. I mean, we're, we're best friends. We hang out every off-season, work out together, all that. So, yeah, to be able to kind of share that day together, his first win, and then, um, you know, I, I won down here on the south side. It, it was a really, really awesome day. What a coincidence, yeah. too. And I also want to throw in that another one of our high school teammates, Jack Flaherty, made his major league debut on the mound in San Francisco for the Cardinals that Friday. So that... That weekend, Friday and then Sunday, um, three high school teammates, uh, three starting pitchers. We were, my senior year, we were like the, the rotation Tuesday, um, what was it? Tuesday, Friday, Saturday. We were that starting rotation. Did you lose a game, you guys? Well, I hurt my arm. So I was out, I was out for the season after my second start of the year. But, but no, I, uh, the team was really good regardless. Then it was the year after that they ended up winning the whole thing and got rings. Okay, okay. Yeah, the year after me and Max were gone, Jack took, took control and just you know, started running over the league. You and I actually have something in common. We both lived in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania at mm. a certain point. I was yeah. there uh, working for the ABC affiliate in Harrisburg mm. when you were probably like two. Uh, and then you were there for how long? A year? Two years? Um, yeah, I spent a part of 15 there and then um, about half of 16 there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you were Harrisburg Senators. Yeah. You played on City Island, right? Yeah. Is that what they call it? Yeah, with still? the Mayflies, the flies everywhere. 
yeah the yeah. middle of the summer you do not want to be pitching yeah i had some i had some games in the summer in 2015 towards the end of the summer where the the mayflies are really bad yeah being on that island um it's it's cool it's a cool it environment cool. to totally. play baseball for sure yes. like i've i've never experienced anything like that it's kind of like a theme park island with a baseball stadium in the middle but uh, the flies get so bad. You know, I, I, there's times I'd be on the mound and I'm, I'm like looking in for my sign and they're just hitting me in the face. <laughs> you know, I'm like, what the heck's going on? I had never seen anything like that before. I did a story on this one time. Mm. I went to the game, not to do a story on the game. Yeah. I did a story on these freaking flies. They yeah. Were, was, I wouldn't even call them flies. They were something else. Yeah. They're they like huge. Yeah. Mayflies. That's what they're called. Okay. I forgot. Some are small. Some are like gigantic, yes. like moths and like. It's just nonstop, and they're not afraid. They'll fly right into your face. Like, they're, yeah, it's crazy. I love hearing these minor league stories from guys. They all have stories. Give me a story you can tell, besides the Mayfly story, that you can share with us that it typifies what it's like to be in the minor leagues. Ah, man, it's hard, to, it's hard to pull up a specific story. Uh, it all, I mean, after all these years of doing it kind of just blends together um but these are ones you want to tell your kids and your your grandkids yeah you gotta remember these yeah i'd say this year we had a stretch where it rained it seemed like it would never stop raining and like we were playing like double header after double header we had nine hour bus rides and this was in AAA too, where like things were supposed to be a little bit nicer. We ended up having, <laughs> we ended up having a little. We had a rough stretch where we were just. That's the one. That's the one that just comes to mind because we were like, as a team, we like got together. And we were like in awe of what was happening. Like we were, we had like a long bus trip when in AAA, like generally you fly a lot. We had a super long bus trip where you know, it was. Those are actually kind of cool because. That's like when the team bonds. You're on the bus, you're playing mafia, you're hanging out, playing music. Everyone kind of gets together. Um, those, are, those are the moments I'm gonna remember uh, from my time in the minor leagues, just like developing relationships yeah. with guys and having a really good time. Uh, just a few more questions. You took a photograph that just kind of stuck with me that the Charlotte Knights tweeted out. It's a photo of you and Michael Kopech and Carson Fulmer was there too, but right when Kopech got there to mm -hmm. Charlotte, and I was like, that's interesting. Like you were, I don't know if it had been announced that you were gonna be called up yet, mm -hmm. but you were on your way, yeah. and here was Michael Kopech at AAA. It was almost like the passing of the torch. Yeah. Is that kind of how you were feeling when here comes Kopech, and then yeah. you're about to I mean, leave? Yeah, I mean, I was, I was basically on my way up here. Um, I, was, I had my last couple days in Charlotte, just getting ready for my first start here. Um, and then Michael came in because you know rotation spots open. Right. He was he was going to come and make a f his last few starts in Charlotte. Um, yeah, it did kind of feel like that passing the torch type thing where you know he's the next guy, and you know his stuff is his stuff is electric. He, he's throwing the ball 95, 100 plus. Um, the ball just jumps out of his hand. The slider's nasty. So you know I think that he'll be here very soon. Um, you know, hopefully that, you know, we can, we can build something special just around the starting pitching, the position guys, um, just the young talent overall. Um, you know, I'm hoping that we can kind of create a base and, and build something special here in the South side from that. That's what everyone seems to be saying. And yeah. I mean, it's, the talent is there. I mean, when you see like a Jimenez, Eloy Jimenez. Have you met him before? I haven't met him yet. Okay. I think I will today because he'll be yes. he'll be here. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, what are you hearing about him? Nasty. I mean, I, I, you look at the stats. I mean, he, he was in double-A hitting 350, finished 360, 355, something like that. Um, just, uh, I've heard that, you know, he's kind of like that five-tool guy. He, he's super athletic. Um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, if we can get, get guys like that up here, you know, playing defense, generating offense, I'm going to be a happy guy on the mound for sure. It's only three starts. I know you have a lot more you want to do with your major league career, but does it give you a better idea, a better realization of what you can do at the major league level by what you've done so far in three starts? Yeah, just just having just having the confidence. I mean, that's that's what I that's what kind of I've been searching for. You know, I was trying to force it at times, especially early in the year. I had the slow start, um, but just building up the confidence that you know I belong here my stuff plays here um, I'm gonna I'm gonna come up here and when I get on the mound I'm gonna give you zeros I'm gonna give you outs um, just knowing that that's what you're gonna do no matter what level you're pitching at whether you're pitching the major leagues or low a or you know whatever uh, just maintaining that mindset that's kind of what I've been searching for and then um, you know over the course of this year I've been able to kind of find that a little bit and Hopefully, I'll just keep building off of that. Sounds like you've learned some stuff this year. Definitely. Definitely. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Yeah. Back with more on the White Sox Talk podcast with Jason Benetti. That is up next. You're listening to the White Sox Talk podcast brought to you by Winfrey. Keep your money local. Bring it home to a Wintrust Community Bank, home of White Sox checking with free ATMs nationwide. Find out more at Wintrust.com slash Sox, members FDIC. And we're back here on the White Sox Talk podcast. Magically, Jason Benetti sat through that entire Lucas Giolito interview and is still here for the podcast. Thank you. I can recite it for you verbatim <laughs> tomorrow. You're a smart guy. Mm. Yeah, you listen to how Not smart, as smart you are. Smart as Giolito. No, no one is as smart as Lucas Giolito. But here's, he builds computers in the off season. He does not. That's what he does. Yeah. Disclose. Explain what? He, well, you're gonna see. We did a socks hopper episode, which is the socks TV thing we yeah. do, where we put a bunch of baseballs with a Q and A on uh, on the balls in in this uh, bingo hopper, and you got to pull one out and answer the questions. And one of the questions was about a hobby. And Giolito said to us, and I don't know if it's going to make the cut, but said that he uh, builds computers in the offseason. Wow. So could you be too smart for baseball? That's my next question. That's, I think that's trash. You do? I do. Okay. I, I sit next to, on a nightly basis, a guy who's terribly smart and had great success. Yes. Especially in a season when he won the top award that they give to pitchers. Other than the MVP which sometimes they win, and rightfully so. He could have won it that year. He could have. He definitely could have. Uh, it's very easy for somebody to say, oh, he's too smart to fit into this clubhouse. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. There's no capital I intelligence either. There's people smart, and there's book smart, and mm-hmm. there's all of that. I mean, uh, I just I think it's just too easy for people to say, oh, he's too smart, so he doesn't fit into the clubhouse. Like, get to know him. Just give it a shot. See what happens. I've seen some people in the minors get alienated because they are, quote-unquote, too smart because of the way they carry themselves or whatever it is they yeah. do on the bus. That's just, I don't, I think that's, I think it's a fallacy because it's easy. 
It's easy. Easy to go that way. It's easy for people to say, oh, he's smart. He doesn't fit in. Okay, so you're covering this team. You're announcing the games. I mean, I'm covering it as well. But have you ever been around a more uh, pleasant slash entertaining slash fun last place team before? No. And I, I haven't done this for that long of a time compared to somebody like Vin or even to Stoney or Hawk. But being around AAA teams, when they get bad, oh boy. <laughs> Just hide the women and children. It gets ugly because yeah. guys not only down there don't like being in last place, but they also start to blame things for their circumstance because they're not in the big leagues being bad mm, yeah. with a team. Not that they're terrible, but the team as a collective is in last place, whatever it might be. That gets, that gets dark and stormy very quickly. But I've also seen it in the majors. I mean, we've heard it about teams that have come through here this year that have better records than the Sox, that the clubhouse just isn't together or there's some grousing going on or whatever it might be with other teams mm -hmm. that have by far better records than the White Sox. So to me... There are a couple of there are a couple of people that that help prop up the Sox energy, but there are so many people who also add to it. I mean, Yomer Sanchez is a guy that I I would want on my team anytime, anywhere because of not only the fact that he's a switch hitter who can field, but also can hit some as we found out this year, but also just the level of humanity coming out of his pores he cares about his son noah so much you talk to him if noah the word doesn't come out of his mouth at some point you haven't <laughs> talked to him for for any more than five minutes i think uh he's just a he's, he's a wonderful guy to be around uh, and i think as you add rookies into that atmosphere they are just assuming it's always like this in the major leagues and that's exactly what you want i mean i think this team is playing chess emotionally when other teams are playing checkers at mm. times. I'm going to elaborate on that. So chess emotionally because they're able to compartmentalize their situation knowing that, well, okay, we're not going to win, but we have greater things to look forward to and work on. Well, the, yeah, the veterans don't even know if they're going to be here when these young players are successful. Yeah. But they're still caring about winning on a nightly basis and caring about the people and trying to help That's them. That's coaching, too. It is. It is coaching. It is coaching. But it's also players. You have to yeah. have people... The right guys to listen to those words. Yeah they, yeah. they have to want to. They have to want to care about the guys around them. And, and I don't want to overvalue that because there is something to simple, raw ability winning you championships. But I think if it's a coin flip between you and three other teams that are quote-unquote good one year, I want the team that's having fun. All right, so you played Mario Kart with Eloy Jimenez. Yeah, and by the way, I got clarification on his name from him okay. when we played. Okay, so all right, I, I, I can't, I'm, I'm bracing for this because I talked to him as well about this, and I hope it's consistent because otherwise I'm going to go crazy. Eloy. Okay. Eloy. Jimenez. It's only so you stress Aloy. the second syllable, Aloy. Aloy. Aloy Jimenez. Okay. Aloy. Yes. So he did say that. He also said you, you can call him Eloy. It doesn't matter. Right. But he prefers. Len <laughs> Casper and I are having a fight across town accidentally because he says Alex Avila. I know. And I said Alex Avila after having the discussion with Alex, and he said that his friends, when growing up, called him Avila. So he's comfortable with that. So 
rather than make the change midstream, I said Avila. And now I get tweets all the time. Yes. And both of us are right. Like, yes, Avila is what Alex's name is to the letter. Yes. But he, after having a lengthy conversation with him about this, uh, he says his friends call, like closest friends from growing up, call him Avila. Then where do you laugh? Yeah. Well, so go back to Jimenez. So Aloy. You're, you're going to call him Aloy. 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 All right. Aloy so Jimenez. I got to change it. I've been because after he gave me permission to call him Eloy, because I would prefer to call him that, just because it's spelled that way, and right. I'm American. Right. I want to call him Eloy. Yeah. But if he really wants it to be Aloy. Aloy. I'm going to call him Aloy. Aloy. All right. So I'll work on that. Thanks for that clarification. Uh, how about your Mario Kart game? Did you beat him? Uh, well, he'd never played Mario Kart 64 before. <laughs> and so I, why do you do that to him? You, he has no shot. Well, we were trying to play Ken Griffey Jr. baseball okay. for N64, but we had one of those situations where you have to blow into the game and it doesn't start and the whole thing. Okay. Uh, so yeah. then we went and played Mario Kart. Uh, and I was the kid growing up who invited people over to my house yes, and played video games with them that they had never played before. So you could win. I feel real good about myself. Okay. Yeah, it's great. You're still a child. Uh-huh. Uh, so you may not know this, but I'm fascinated by the random jerseys that White Sox fans wear here to the park. I'm fascinated by your fascination. I love watching your Twitter account and seeing the random jerseys. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been addicted to it forever. I come here... And when I get to the ballpark and I'm in the – well, I might already be here. But when I get into the press box and the fans show up, I can't even watch the game for the first inning. All I'm doing is looking to see what jerseys people are wearing. So I've found Oscar Gamble, Oma Grosso, Makowiak, Donnie Lucy. I did Rob Makowiak. Yeah. So I did a story on this, by the way, uh, 12 years ago. And one of the best or worst – oh, Steve Stone walked into the booth here, actually. Ladies and gentlemen, Steve Stone is here. You know that podcast you always do promos about, Steve? This is the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Jason's on. Steve he asked has... who's on, and I'm holding a microphone. So Jason is my guest. I thought you guys were doing the podcast. We're doing the po- This is the podcast right now. You say it, you have to say it a little louder. Yeah, I just want to know who the guest is. The guest is your partner, Jason Benetti. But both of you are hosts. In this situation, I'm the host, and he's the guest. How has he done so far? Uh, he's doing great. He's doing great. Embarrassment to the organization? Uh, borderline a little bit because he, I think he sabotaged Eloy or Aloy Jimenez's Mario Kart game because Eloy had never even played it before. But other than that, he's doing fine. So he took advantage of him. He took advantage of him. That's why I'm a little like miffed that he would do that to hey, a rookie. Hey, so great to have you here, Steve. So <laughs> great to have you here. Thanks for coming. We're just going to be a few more minutes. Okay. Yeah, okay, okay. Don't let me stand in the way. So great to have you. This is big league production. This is a big league production, as he said. So uh, what were we talking about? I forget. We were talking uh, about random jerseys. Random jerseys. Okay. So um, uh, this new, I shot a new story, and it's going to come out in about a week or so. So that's coming. But my question for you mm-hmm. is if you were a White Sox fan showing up here to a game, what's the most random name you would put on the back of your jersey? Uh, mine would be Hansel Izquierdo. Did he play for the White he Sox? He was a pitcher back in the 90s. I don't yeah. remember him. Uh, I believe he was with the Marlins as well. I could baseball reference it, okay. but he was a little bit of a running joke in a fantasy baseball league back in the 90s. And, uh, I mean, his last name is Left. <laughs> Just means, I mean, it's Left. And, like, he's a pitcher. It's great. Yeah. But 
He didn't pitch for very long for the Sox, if at all, in the majors. I think he did. I think Hansel Izquierdo. So we'll look it up. And I think I think he pitched for the Sox at some point. He wasn't just one of those guys, you know, minor leagues or whatever. But uh, I also like the idea of a, a Chris Sabo White Sox jersey. That's good. Yeah. I like that. So if it was me, if I was a bigger guy, and this guy isn't that random, but I want to see more of him out there, I would go Luzinski. Yeah. I want to see a Greg Luzinski jersey out here. That's what I would love to see. Uh, but I would go, well, Chet Lemon was my favorite player growing up. Was he? I'm seeing the 1977 throwback jerseys around here. I've seen a Richie Zisk. I've huh. seen an Oscar Gamble. Haven't seen a Chet Lemon lately. So have you seen see a Spanky Lavalier? No. You have? No, no, no. I've done games with him. Oh, oh. But I would love for somebody to have his jersey so I could send him the picture. Yeah, I mean, we saw Dick Allen. I want to see a Steve Stone eventually, one of these days. I see Melton. I see enough of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, he, he just said shut up. That's <laughs> no, good. he said, ooh, a shot from the ooh, back row. Oh, a shot. Row. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> can I ask you a few questions about your craft? Yeah, involving like broadcasting, broadcasting or like a hot glue craft. gun and eucalyptus. Yeah. Oh, 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 Steve wants to say where, something. Where's David Kaplan? David Kaplan. Isn't this uh, his show? No, David Kaplan actually uh, has uh, has been punished. He can't be on the podcast this week well, for what he did last week. Well, it, I'm sure it was an embarrassment, but okay, I'll let you guys finish. And thanks for the Steve Stone shirt. Um, maybe I'll find one somewhere. This thanks. is a great cameo. Good luck. Really fantastic. This is the highlight of the podcast. What are you talking about? Um, so I'm looking at your uh, yeah, your computer. You've got multicolored, not multicolored pens. You've got many pens or markers of different colors. What's the reason for that? So I like to color code things. So in-game I know immediately how many walks, how many strikeouts, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So green is for walks and orange is for strikeouts and red is for substitutions and Blue is for scoring plays, and pink is for errors. And now this this all sounds like airport fiction, like M is for murder or something like that. But the uh, yeah, I, I like to color code because there's a lot going on in game, and I just like to have it kind of. It's front just of me. an easier thing for you to see in a quick moment. Is that the reason? Yeah, yeah. I uh, I can much more easily count strikeouts and walks and look for the run scoring plays and all that. It just kind of blends in if I don't. I, I color code everything that I do for all sports. All right. Now, how do you learn this? Uh, well, I was traveling on the road, which I guess is where you travel. Yes. Uh, I was traveling with the Windy City Thunderbolts. Uh, okay. the, the independent team in 2005. And we went to Chillicothe, Ohio, where there's a baseball team and a prison uh, pretty much across the street from one another. That's and quite a juxtaposition yeah, right it's, there. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so, and, you know, if your career goes poorly, then uh, incarceration. Yeah. So one of the announcers there who ended up being a, a, a friend, uh, it was in AAA right now, Ryan Mitchell, uh, color-coded some of his stuff. And I thought, oh, that's really interesting. And I just started toying with it a little bit, and now I do it uh, to the point of terrifying people around me. It's a little maddening, I'm sure. So you've got your your media guides here. You got you, you have a 2017 official baseball rule book. I do. How well do you know that book, and do you refer to it often? Uh, so I know it well, but I don't know everything in it. Okay. I refer to it whenever we have a play that I'm a little hazy on. So, you know, strike three. Yeah. I like to check and see if that's still an out, that sort of thing. 
no, but I mean, just the other day, we had the ball that uh, went to the backstop, and there was some question on whether or not it had either contacted the bat boy or left the field of play, and there's a rule in the book about uh, unintentional and intentional contact of a ball. Yeah. So we, Steve and I, discussed the rule on the telecast, and I think it's important for us to have an informed populace in terms of rules. You just, if you know the rules, you are less likely to feel like there's some game afoot, right? Yeah. Like, oh, New York doesn't like us, which I hear that often. I don't think that's the case, although sometimes you feel that way because we look at replays and we say, oh, this is definitely going to go a certain way, and it doesn't Yeah. because they have different angles and sometimes they see it differently and they're standard or threshold or whatever. But it's important for us to get the rules as right as possible, and any time I miss something, it that eats away at me even more than uh, mistakes in the broadcast or whatever because... I, I like knowing them all, and you can't at every moment know them all, although you'd like to approach it. Well, it's good that you do that because as a viewer, you always want to know what is the rule and who, who am I going to get that rule from other than you or Steve. So I'm glad someone has the book right here that you can at least go to. Especially because they don't announce what's going on exactly. on replays in the ballpark, which right. is asinine. And <laughs> like, I don't get mad about many things. That one I do. Explain because, it to us. Yeah, just tell us what's going on. Yeah. And I've heard from back channels at Major League Baseball might not want its umpires to make the announcements in part because they're not trained in it. But you could do it with just the crew chiefs. It it can be like the NFL. The head referee makes the announcement. Nobody else has to be a public speaker. Nobody asks the side judge to click on a microphone. So if it's just the crew chiefs, I'd really like to see that. There's the book that scares me, that has me worried about you the scorebook? No, oh, the score. Oh, is this a scorebook? Okay. Yeah, it's a right. scorebook. That has your. That's that's your history, right? It that's is. That's the that's the season. If somebody stole my scorebook, <laughs> honestly, if I lost my scorebook for a season, I there are not enough pills. There aren't. Why? It's everything. Yeah. It's the whole season. Well, couldn't you just go to the internet and find all this stuff? Yeah, but that's not good <laughs> enough. It's not. I mean. Like I just I just wrote a, a a column on this, but I was looking at at game one the other day, just flipping around yeah. looking at game one. Avi Garcia hit seventh. Avi was the seventh best White Sox hitter that day, according to the lineup. It's amazing what you learn over the course of a season and what becomes normal. It's complete normalcy for him to be hitting fourth or third with a Brayu out. Complete normalcy. But and, back then. But back then he was seventh behind Cody Ashey that day. And that's nothing against Cody Ashey, but it's like, hey, uh, Avi has really changed minds Mm -hmm. this year. And that is all you can ask for in the era of big data. Jorge Polanco was batting ninth on a Monday and batted third the next day? Yeah. Well, because he has... 12 home runs and 8 at-bats against the White Sox <laughs> right. this year. I mean, it's it's insane. It's what, it's 7 homers now against the Sox. All right, I shouldn't have even brought that up because he's now like at the pinnacle of the White Sox Killer Hall of Fame. So oh, yeah. That's he's the, in the Ryan Rayburn wing. Jason Kubel. Yeah, Jason Mark, Kubel. M- Mike Sweeney, oh. Torrey Hunter, Victor Martinez. Like, I, I see, I can't, once I start, I can't stop on that yeah, one. I'm I, I, I can't. Twitch when I you can't. say those names. All right, two more things because uh, Steve Stone wants to get in his seat. Oh, he's fine. He, are you enjoying this? He's, <laughs> he said, he no, said no, but go ahead. Okay, okay, of course not. He just doesn't enjoy this. 
filmed in front of a live uh, studio th- audience. I think Steve might appreciate this question because I feel like you, I, I'm, I'm like, what, 14 years older than you? I don't even know what the number is, but I'm older than you. Okay. Um, That's not I, a question. No. Here comes the question. I feel like you are, you're an old soul. You are making references about, like, Mel Brooks films. Okay, these all came out before you were born. Bob Seger, all these songs came out before you were born. As if you lived them. And now I and so I'm wondering where do you get this recall about all these things that happened in the past and you can just bring them up in a second in a broadcast. And 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 trade barbs with someone who lived them, Steve Stone. Well, Steve lived Gregorian chant. <laughs> so I don't know that I can compete <laughs> the look on his face right now. Yeah, there might be totally. a yeah, there might be a, a wrestling match after this. Okay. Steve Stone is the finest. I'm your, and I, I'm your audience. He says I'm the audience. Yes, uh, thank you. Steve, Steve. Steve Stone, the reason I can trade barbs with Steve is because he uh, is that entertaining of a guy that he knows so many different things mm-hmm. that, like, it's, it's a treadmill to keep up with all of the references rolling around in that skull of his. But the, I mean, the other, the other credit goes to Robin Subinetti of of Homewood, Illinois, because they 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 shared with me what they liked, and I liked it a little more than maybe what was going on at the time. <laughs> but I defy you to tell me that Blazing Saddles isn't one of the top ten movies of all time, and I defy you to tell me that if in the same season, the team you call games for faces a guy named Headley. And gives away a sweatshirt called a Henley. You're not going to talk about Rock Ridge. No, it's just going to happen, right? And if Lamar Johnson yeah. played for the White Sox, wasn't his name Headley Lamar? Yeah. So right. Howard Johnson's right about Andrew Johnson being right. You know, the whole thing. <laughs> the whole town's full of Johnsons. So I, if you haven't seen Blazing Saddles, what's wrong with you? You have to see this movie. It's uh, and Richard Pryor was supposed to be in it, believe it or yeah. not. Which that's a whole other story. Which, and Gig Young was supposed to play the part that Gene Wilder played. So you're doing Gig Young references. This well, is going over my head. No, 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 I don't know who is, Gig Young I just, is. I just, before the season, read the Gene Wilder biography, biography the autobiography. Uh, and Gene was on some other shoot. Yeah. And wasn't supposed to play the Waco kid. Gig and showed up drunk. Gig Young showed up drunk. That's right. For a part that's a drunk. <laughs> And he was so drunk, he couldn't play a drunk. So Gene Wilder gets the job and does the whole thing with the shooting hand and all that. But it wasn't going to be Gene Wilder. That's right. And the rest is history. One last question. Yeah. What did you do your documentary on at WHFH Radio? Ooh, that's a trap, Chuck. What do you mean? Here's why. <laughs> I never did one. You never did one? Uh-uh. So here's Jason the thing. Benetti's a fraud. <laughs> How did you not wait? If you went to Homewood Flossmoor High They're School, you went through four years. Actually, all you had to do was go through two years of the, of the broadcasting program. Yeah, you yeah. had to write, produce, and direct a 55-minute radio documentary, which you air live on the radio station. I did one. Ben Bradley did one. Lawrence Holmes did one. Yeah. Uh, you didn't do one. I was so I joined the program as a student late, my okay. junior year. I was vigilante announcer for hire before then. Okay. So I learned about the station late and the curriculum even later. So I took the first year as a junior, and then my senior year would have been the year that I did the documentary. Right. 
no thanks on that my senior year. So what I did, Chuck, yeah. is I announced about five of them. Okay. There was like a limit on on yes. the, the amount you could because your voice was so whatever. good at at eighteen that they needed you to voice. Here's these. what it was. Here's what it was. I paid them to let me do it. No, so I I was involved in the process. Okay. Right? But I I never created one on my own. Okay. So I, I don't think differently about you. You you're should. S- you're still at s- near the level of, of the of us other the other WHFH mafia. Yeah, I can't get to that level. But I never there did there one. will always be an asterisk. Next to your name. You didn't do the documentary. But what does Giancarlo Stanton think of it? What does that mean? Well, he's, he's the one that said he thinks 61 still the record. Oh, oh, okay. That's right. Asterisk guy. But this isn't about a record. This is about life. This is about this is diligence. This is, this is, this is something that, that you... It's a rite of passage that all of us, most of us... <laughs> Are you going to teach me how to break in a glove now, right? <laughs> yeah, some of us. Don't just had put to it in the through. microwave. You've got to do it the right way. Well, I, 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 it's I, the right I, thing to do. I mean, I the blood, sweat, and tears are on that or at that radio station from that documentary I did way back when, and, and you didn't do one, but that's okay. We never played blood, sweat, and tears. It was more with wind and fire, <laughs> stairway. When we needed well some done. time, well right? Well done. Well done. You All needed right. to go have a snack or something. You play uh, play stairway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so then you can speak that language. So that's enough for me. Jason Benetti, good stuff. Pleasure, Chuck. It is great. Steve Stone got to get his seat back. Yeah, he's thoroughly enjoyed this uh, conversation. <laughs> and I hope everyone out there listening enjoyed this conversation. My thanks to Jason Benetti, Steve Stone, Lucas Giolito, and also Todd Williams, who's been uh, shooting this whole thing. Scott Shagnon back at the station, who is going to put this whole thing together. And you have been listening to the White Sox Talk podcast, brought to you by Wintrust Community Bank. We have a sponsor. You know that. Isn't that impressive, Steve Stone? Wintrust? Uh, <laughs> Wintrust Community Bank. Steve knows the tagline for Wintrust. There yes. you go. Home of, member FDIC, home of White Sox checking with free ATMs nationwide. You can find out more, Steve Stone, by going to Wintrust.com slash socks. That is Wintrust.com slash socks. I got to go back and host the pregame show. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for being here. This is the last time I think the White Sox Talk podcast gets filmed in front of a live studio audience. <laughs> oh, I think that's Steve been Stokes. Mixed. Yes. Steve did it. Thank you very much, and we'll talk to you again soon. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate. Or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So, do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.